Welcome to the Mr. Vincent Podcast. I'm your host, Emmanuel Vincent, and happy Friday Eve, everybody. And I hope your week finishes up stronger than it began. Uh, this episode uh, focuses on week six of the NFL season. As I did chop it up with the good homie Eves yesterday, who we've been um, recapping week by week the 2020 season. Uh, we talked about that atrocious performance uh, by the Pats on Sunday, um, losing to the Broncos. Um, a lot of fa- a lot of things played into that uh, loss, a lot of factors, and we discussed that in depth. Also talked about uh, the Buccaneers um, over powering and demolishing the Packers and also talked about the Chiefs victory over the Bills um we also did um talk briefly about um the possibility of Antonio Brown making a comeback to the league and reports indicate that the Seahawks would be interested and also did um talk about Tua um, being named the starter for the Dolphins uh, going forward um that and more and uh we can actually get into it right now here it is it's the Mr. Vincent podcast episode 65 Tap in. But yeah, we can uh, get into it right now. Week six. What games do you want to start off with first? Uh, the, the games we're talking about is pretty interesting. Well, in terms of the stories, at least. Oh, yeah, yeah. We can, we can start off with that Patriots-Broncos game. All right. So that game, just just all field goals by the Broncos and mm-hmm. 19 <laughs> Like 19 points of all field goals. Yep. It's crazy. And a hey, fun fact, too, uh, the, the kicker, McManus, he's tied with Justin Tucker for the most games in NFL history with multiple 50 plus field goals. <laughs> I did not catch that. That's what's up. Uh, McManus has been doing his thing in Denver for a little while now. He's uh, he's been taking advantage. I mean, he's got a big leg, but he's been taking advantage of that that thin air up there in that, uh, that Mile High Stadium or whatever. But yeah, um, it was. That game was rough. It was the offense was pretty bad all around. Cam, seventeen for twenty five, one hundred and fifty seven yards, two picks. I, I think he, he also he had ten carries for seventy six yards um, and one touchdown on the ground. He didn't have any touchdowns passing, but that it might be that's also slightly emblematic of other problems. Um, you know, he led the team in rushing. Damian Harris, he was like the next highest. He only had six carries for 19 yards, 3.2 yards per attempt. Like, that's no good at all. Um, but, you know, a lot. it was a lot of sloppy, pay, sloppy play. You could really see that the lack of practice from all of the COVID-19 shuffling really showed. Exactly. Um, that's, that's what I was going to get to. Like, that, that played a major part in that game, I feel like. Yeah, you, especially with Cam Newton, just because – he had already been out, you know, he had to isolate because he tested positive and then there was all of the the moving around with the practices and stuff like that, having to shut down the facility, open the facility. And it really showed up in his like throwing mechanics when, you know, you're, if you remember back when Cam first got signed, when you and I talked about it, I said one of the one of the problems I had with Cam potentially fitting into the Patriots offense was he had he would always revert to poor throwing mechanics when he was in Carolina and if i felt like that's what that what that it was what we saw in the game on sunday he was he was muscling the ball a lot like the footwork wasn't really there so he was putting balls in the dirt and missing guys you know he was 
even beyond the poor throws. It looks like he was like late on some of his progressions. And then he was passing up like short layup throws. Like Devin Asiasi was open like two or three times for like short check checkdowns. And Cam was looking downfield for like a deep shot or he, he pulled the ball down for that long run he had. And Devin Asiasi was wide open and had a good like five or six yards of like open field to run. And Cam was just missing him. You know, that's that's coaching. That's Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels and the Patriots coaching staff drilling better mechanics and smart football into him. And I think he reverted to form like his past form because he just wasn't in the Patriots facility. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like like you said, like I felt like he was like so out of rhythm. But everything you, like he was doing, like the way he was moving, like the timing was, was off. And I, I forget he missed like two games. Was it two games that he missed? Or the two one? games. Well, not I, I, well, we, technically he missed one game, but we he missed two weeks. He hadn't been because they moved the um they they moved the they moved this Denver Broncos game. It was supposed to be played last week, and this week the Patriots mm-hmm. were supposed to be this coming week the Patriots were supposed to be on a bye, and they're not. They're going to be playing the 49ers. That, yeah, that, that this is this is crazy. Like, what the, the the way that this whole situation is throwing on rhythm for teams, and that was like a perfect mm-hmm. example of it on um on Sunday in this game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I say like I, we did a good job essentially of keeping um uh the Broncos out of the red zone and and, and third down because they weren't converting well on third down, but everything else they were getting. Yeah, which led them to getting field goal field goal attempts. Yeah. And to yeah, win the, the, game, the Patriots, it kind of was maybe they reverted to the Patriots' defense of old, the old bend, don't break situation where, you know, they were moving the ball pretty well and they just clamped down in the red zone and basically only re- relegated them to kicking field goals. Um, you know, Drew Locke, Drew Locke, it was his first game back he, since week two where he hurt his shoulder and you know, he was 10 for 24, which is not great at all. Um, like 180, 189 yards, two interceptions. You know, he hit a couple of deep shots to Tim Patrick, who's like their third wide receiver. But overall, he yep. wasn't really good at all, with that, especially with that late game pick that he threw to Jonathan Jones just to um, make things a little bit fuzzy as to whether or not the Broncos would win the game. Um but uh, Philip Lindsay, their starting running back, you know, he was back. He he had been out since week one with a turf toe injury, and you know he showed out coming back. Twenty three carries, one hundred and one yards. Like he had a really good game. They just couldn't punch it into the end zone. But you know, getting back just to the to the Patriots side of the ball, it was definitely a case more of the Patriots losing the game than Denver won it. And you know, COVID nineteen played a big role. Injuries played a big role because the, the offensive line. Yeah, the offensive line. Offensive line had to get reshuffled. Yeah, yeah the, the offensive line was really bad. You know, from from like left to right, they were starting um, Justin Heron, who was a was a rookie. Isaiah went at guard. Um, Isaiah went actually played guard in college, but this is the first time he's ever played guard at the NFL level. Yeah, Joe Tooney at center. Um, Froholt, who who is like a second-year player, a second-year depth offensive lineman. And it was like, I think, I believe it was his first time starting or playing in a regular season game at all. And then Michael Onwenu, the rookie, when he was really bad 
playing at guard, he gave up um, a team high four pressures. And it was the first time the uh, that offensive line combo had played together. And it shows. And that's kind of one of those things where, one, you don't have the coaching there. And then you're going really deep into your cupboard. And you don't have Dante Skarnecki anymore. So maybe those guys aren't, aren't, weren't as ready as they normally would be. But, you know, Newton was under really heavy pressure. He was under pressure for about 40% of his dropbacks, which is not good at all. And, you know, from the running backs, without Cam Newton's rush yard, the running backs only got 2.7 yards per carry, which is abysmal. That's got to get that's got to get figured out, you know. And, and low-key, too, that's not even low-key. It's high-key. You know, the read option, they've got to they've gotta find – some adjustments there and get that figured out. You know, they've they've only averaged 2.1 yards per carry in Cam Newton's like last three starts on their like read option runs. You know, offensive line injuries have played a role, defensive adjustments have played a role. They can't really use that jumbo O-line package that were that they were using a lot earlier in the season due to some injuries. So they're gonna need to, you know, they should they just because a lot of their read option runs have a lot of like static fronts. They don't like use like a lot of motion or misdirection. So hopefully they'll add some motion and maybe some block and change up the blocking scheme just to create some creases and then use that to also create some like play action and RPO opportunities. But, you know, one good thing is um, David Andrews, the starting center. um, He's been on IR with um, a broken thumb. He was back at practice today and then also Shaq Mason, um, another one of their starting guards, he just came off of the COVID-19 list today, and he was back at practice. So hopefully we can uh, get something going on the offensive line. They can be back up to snuff again. Yeah, I mean, hopefully that's going to help. And, like, yeah, I, I definitely feel you on that with the, like, with the uh, motion offense. I think that that will help considering the fact that we're not going to have a bye next week. They should try to incorporate that more in the, in the games. I mean, because we don't have the time to really prepare. I like mm-hmm. be real strategic, so I think that can help to be, to be yeah, hopefully, hopefully they the don't past. have any more COVID positive tests or COVID exposures where they have to close up the close up the facility because, especially when you're talking about a team that isn't like especially talented on the offensive side of the ball, things like coaching and situational football are really important. And to do that type of stuff, you really need to be able to get in and have practice. So. Th- Situations like these where they're just closing up the facilities, the, all the will-they-won't-they they stuff was really going to hit the Patriots really hard because they're really dependent on, like, the fundamentals, and you can't really do that <laughs> when when you have situations being the way they are with all of the COVID shutdowns. Um, but it's also funny that we should mention um, the motion offense because, you know, we're coming up against the 49ers next week. And you know they're they're a little bit healthier on the offensive side of the ball. They've got yeah with Jimmy G and Ken, uh, yeah Jimmy G is back. Raheem most most is going to be out for a while. I believe he has a, another ankle sprain, and he's going to be out. But you know they've got Debo Samuel back healthy, and they run a lot of they run a lot of outside zone. They have a lot of motion in their packages, and they're very. They're not good. The Patriots aren't good against like heavy run packages. So, with some of those Shanahan staples, they might be vulnerable to that 49ers offense. 
But you know, they got Josh Uche, um, their 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 second top defensive pick after Kyle Duggar. He's back off of IR, the rookie. Um, Bo Allen, the defensive lineman, he's back at practice from IR. Derek Derek Rivers, the defensive end, he came off of the COVID nineteen list. Um, I was worried about Adam Butler because he looked like he got hurt. The defensive lineman, Adam Butler, he got hurt um, in, I think, the third quarter of the game on Sunday. But he was also practicing as well. So hopefully we can get a lot of guys that we've been missing back on both sides of the football. Yeah, man, we, we, we're, we're going to need a good one going forward. That's going to be a tough uh, matchup on Sunday. Hey, get back to the game, right? In the fourth quarter. When I believe it was like midway point through the fourth quarter, we scored a touchdown. We made it. It was 18 9 at that point. And we decided to go for the, the two point conversion rather than kick the field goal. I was a little puzzled about that. And the announcer said the same thing, brought that up like we should have just went for the field goal. I, I think, I, think about I, I understand it in theory. It's one of those things where he was just, he was, I think he was seeing the writing on the wall. He was just trying to be aggressive. I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold it against him because. It's one of those things. It can cut either way. If they hadn't, if they had made it, he would have looked like a genius. And if he, if he don't, he's the, he's the go to the day. So it, it's fine. I'm fine with it. It's not. It's not a big deal. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I was just like, yeah. I, I would say there was about like eight, like eight and a half. I feel like eight, eight and a half minutes left in the game. I thought they would just, we should just go go for the field goal and then try to make a stop on. I, on I was defense. with it. I was with it. I I, I I I was fine with him just being aggressive and him just trying to get the maybe the offensive juices flowing. But you know, you win some, you lose some. It's just like that other time when we played the Seahawks and they just weren't able to punch it in from the goal line to win the game at the end of the game. Sometimes you just got to chalk it up that way. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, you can't overthink it, like you said. Like if if he got that, he'd be praised for it. Um, I was going my decision, but sometimes you win some, you lose some. But yeah, but but credit to him, you know, for trying to be like not just being unconventional sometimes because that can work to the benefit of the team instead of doing exactly. Like, I'm not I'm not going to second guess Bill Belichick. There's no there's no head coach who has ever done it better than him when it comes to situational football. So, and Bill, I trust in those kind of situations. Oh yeah, absolutely. Hey, I, I think I heard too during a broadcast that 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 um, or maybe it was after in an article that uh, Cam is zero three all time against the Broncos, including yep, Super he Bowl. He has never uh, beat the Broncos in his entire career, not once. <laughs> That's crazy. It's crazy. Now I'm watching that game. I think my man, this is kind of a little reminiscent of Super Bowl Fifty. A little bit. It wasn't that. I mean, that, I I mean they, the, the, lot, the Broncos but. defensive line, they were getting a ton of pressure. They were dominating the line of scrimmage. And then Justin Simmons, their safety, he was everywhere. <laughs> he was all over the place. Mm-hmm. He didn't have any, like, turnovers, but he was just making his presence felt all over the field. So, you could, I guess you could say that. Well, actually, no, I think about it. It might have, Super Bowl 50 might have been worse uh, for the fact that Cam was the league MVP at that, that, at that point. He's played the best that football of anybody that, that year. When I saw that coming, I knew that was coming. <laughs> I knew Carolina was going to get wrecked. Wait, yeah. oh, I'm talking about, yeah, talking yeah, about Super Bowl, right? Not, not on Sunday. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, that defense was, was, was crazy. Absolutely. That was like an all-time great you defense. You pass in against. front of a dominant secondary. It's like, what, do you, what can you do? You, damned if you do, damned if you don't. 
Yeah, man. It's, it's crazy. I'm like, wow, he really, he really never beat the Broncos in any games. And then I remember Football 50 when they brought that up. So uh, I think I heard, too, the Pats, the first time the Pats are under 500 since 2002. Yeah. yeah. Correct? That is 100% true. It's, it's indicative of the times where, you know, we lost Brady and we're in a period of transition. No matter what anyone says, even though that we have the potential to make the playoffs if things go right, this is a rebuild. This is a rebuild on the fly, and Bill Belichick is figuring things out, and we're probably going to lose some more games. I, I, I was looking at the slate going forward. You know, even though this, the San Francisco 49ers have been decimated by injury, they could very well beat us next week, given that, yep. Oh, of course they can. If the Broncos can beat us, yep, given they, they can know, beat us. Jimmy G's back, Kittle's back healthy. Debo Samuel's back healthy. And then, you know, Jason Verrett has been playing really good football. He's one of the best corners in the NFL, even though, you know, he's just kind of kind of having a comeback after having one injury, one like season ending injury after another until he got to San Francisco this year. You know, we'll talk about the Bills in a in a in a bit. You know, even though the Bills are tail in a kind of a bit of a tailspin with two consecutive losses, they could very well beat us twice. I've been looking at the rest of our schedule. The Patriots very well could end up going six and ten. I can eat. Yeah, because I'm looking at a schedule right now. So we have um, so home to 49ers. Then we travel to Buffalo for the Bills, and then the following week we're in uh, New York uh, at MetLife Stadium to play the Jets. That Jets game is going to be. Uh, we, we should yeah. never. We should not lose that game at all. But we can possibly go two out of three. Yeah, of those, the, three as far as as far as Very well, know, I I didn't plan to go down it, but we've got the Niners, the Bills, the Jets, the Ravens, Texans, Cardinals, Chargers, Yikes. Rams, Dolphins, Bills, and Jets again. I the only games that I see on our schedule that are guaranteed wins are the two Jets games, and that's about it. Exactly, like those only games that, that you like. You would look at the schedule and pencil in, like, okay, I, we can pencil yep. in wins. All in these the, specific all the games. other You're games right. are like it's either are competitive on paper or look like outright losses. So we'll see. Because, because like we can't we can't undermine exactly. the Dolphins at the last year when we lost to them in a in a like a exactly. pivotal playoff then, implication you know, game. The Texans, even though they hadn't been playing well, you know. They still got Deshaun Watson, so that's that's even money, in my opinion. You know, the Cardinals, Kyler Murray is no joke either. You know, he's been, had a little bit of an up-and-down season, but he's still very talented. We've seen what Justin Herbert's been doing. Uh, Aaron Donald and the Rams, they've, been, they've kind of had a resurgent season, even though they, they lost to the Niners. And I feel like maybe that might just be – uh, division game where the teams know each other, so that might be a, play a role there. But yeah, the the Patriots got rough going. Wow, yeah, I, I didn't really look full depth into the schedule. I seen the last three games, but looking at it, you're right. The only two games that that we can really say they're going, they should win is yep. the two games against the Jets. <laughs> Man, this is crazy. Like we've been so spoiled by the with the mm-hmm. Patriots over the last twenty years, but the fact that like we're like. Under 500 for the first time since 2002, and we'll look at, at the schedule of the next several games. Like, damn, 
we can only run in possibly like it, absolutely it is terrible i i wish i wasn't like this but i'm like i i the more games we lose the better the higher the draft pick the better i don't i don't think we'll lose enough games to have a chance at one of the three quarterbacks but the guy that i'm hoping that we have a chance to get is Kyle Pitts not Trevor Lawrence, because we Lawrence. have no chance of getting Trevor Lawrence. We're not going to lose that many games. That he's going to the Jets unless he decides you unless he tries to pull a Eli Manning. <laughs> um, but the guy that I want is Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida, or me, or if. Uh, but we'll see if Bill actually does it. If we don't can't get him, maybe Jalen Waddle, the wide receiver from Alabama, Speed Merchant, somebody on the outside, but. More more games we lose, I'm all for it. We finally get to pick in the we'll get to pick in like the top half of the draft or maybe even the top ten if we lose enough games. Pray for it. So you want so you're with the mindset that we can to lose games to get a higher draft pick as opposed to being like like the Hell middle tier where no. we're not really gonna yes. be able to improve Hell yeah. based on our pick. Hell yeah. <laughs> I wanna be able to finally get a top pick. Hopefully, Bill doesn't doesn't trade down. But I just want us to get a top pick so we can actually get some like blue chip talent and not have to find diamonds in the rough like we usually do. Yeah, kind of think about it. You're right because even Brady was a diamond in the rough. Like <laughs> the goat was. A I mean, diamond the, in the, rough. the tight end goat. I mean, I guess technically the the Baltimore Ravens wanted him and he had injury concerns coming out of college, but. You know, Gronk was the second round pick. A lot of a lot of like patrons like stalwarts weren't first rounders. Mm. Yeah, and that's crazy. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what Bill would do with a high with a high pick. Like you said, would he would he flip it, or would he actually try and like get, get a high? I'd have top to, I'd have to double check. around them, making the corner of the franchise. In the first round recently was like Gerard Mayo. And then I think, and I want to say probably his highest pick ever was Richard Seymour. And Richard Seymour, in my opinion, should be in the NFL Hall of Fame. He didn't make it the past couple of couple of rounds, but hopefully he will soon. Yep. Yeah, he definitely should be in the Hall of Fame. All right. All right, man. So yeah, we can stop here, take a quick break. We'll come back and talk more. All right, uh, so we can uh, take a look at that next? Bucks Packers game. Woo. Oh man, like oh, so we had like mm-hmm. two of the best to ever do it at the QB position for to future first battle Hall of Famers. Um after going up ten nothing in the game, uh pretty much yeah. complete domination by the Bucks on a, a 38 0 run yeah. to win the game 38 to 10. You know what? Um let me. Uh, I'm asking. All right, so you, okay. so what do you so, think about this game? I've seen a lot of things like, oh, Tom Brady rode the defense, and you know he didn't really do all that much, and this and that, and like, and that is somewhat true, but they're not telling the whole story. Okay, so Brady was 17 of 27 for 166 yards, two touchdowns. You know, like a 96.1 QBR, 104.9 quarterback rating. He only had like 6.1 yards per attempt, which is like a yard below like usual. He's usually around like seven. So it was kind of just like a ho-hum game. 
what people. But Ron Jones he was. was doing he crazy was. damage on the ground, Ron so he Jones didn't have had 23 carries, 113 yards with two touchdowns. And then Brady's total numbers look, they mm-hmm. just look eye on paper. They look okay. But if you look at what Tom Brady did in the first half, it kind of changes things. In the first half, Brady was 14 for 16 for 111 yards and two touchdowns on the way to the Bucks going up 28 to 10. So it kind of changes the whole thing, doesn't it? It makes it look way different where they were just coasting, running yeah. the football, taking, you know, they're not, they're not making any mistakes. They're not being super aggressive in the second half of the game. They scored another 10 points after the half. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. <laughs> you know, the, definitely the, t- the, the, the talk of the game, though, was the Bucks, the Bucks defense. You know, they sacked, they sacked Aaron Rodgers five times. You know, they had, what, 13 total quarterback hits, including some of the sacks, I believe. And I think they sacked him and hit Aaron Rodgers more times in that one game than he had in the previous four games of the season, which is absolutely telling. Um, the The center of that defense is the, are those linebackers, man. Levante David is, like, having, like, a career year in um, Devin White. You know, they're both two, like, really fast coverage line. Yeah, they're super athletic. They're athletic. two really fast coverage Amazing. linebackers. You know, uh, De- Levante David, who is kind of like the veteran there, you see had eight tackles, one and a half sacks, two and a half tackles for loss, and two quarterback hits. Devin White is the newer rookie, and he had 10 tackles, one sack, three tackles for loss, and two quarterback hits. So, Bowl, Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator, used those linebackers. They he confused Rodgers the whole game. He had he was bringing a ton of blitzes on early downs from all different kinds of angles, and just had Aaron Rodgers completely like off of his rhythm. And a big piece of that Packers offense is using those running backs as mismatches in space because Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are both dual threat running backs. But b- because the Bucks had had Levante David and Devin White, they could neutralize that mismatch because of their speed and in their ability to cover. So they were abs- They were able to, exactly. to wreck that Packers offense, which was, I think, by like DVOA, they were the best in the league <laughs> going into that game. And then um, Carlton Davis. Yeah, the Packers had the best offensive. Um, they had the best offensive line. Um, Rating mm-hmm. by uh, yeah. pass block and, win rate. Um, and going also, into the game. I mean, it didn't really mean anything, but their left tackle David Bakhtiari he got he got hurt in like the third quarter. We'll see how that turns out. I, I from what I've heard, he's all right, but we'll see what happens. Um, he, uh, true, Tanya got true. hurt too in the game, but he and, came um, back early. You know, he the got corner, hurt early. Carlton, Carlton Davis, he did a really good job. He's kind of grown into a stud, even though you know he's kind of. He's gonna. He hasn't. He wasn't like a blue chip coming into the league. You know, Bowles really trusts him in coverage so that they can use. He can use some of those blitz packages he likes. But you know that Buck Steve, they're just really good against the run and the pass. You know, the two picks on Aaron Rodgers back to back, a pick six, which he never does that. You know, they they look like a playoff defense for sure. Yeah, I, I think I read that that was um, Aaron Rodgers' first 
pick in the last yeah, 157 about, pass attempts. Right. That's, you know, that's it's, crazy. It's, he'd been playing at it. He's been well, he's been playing at an MVP level throughout the season. He was, you know, 16 for 35, 160 yards, two interceptions, four sacks. He had like a 17.8 QBR and like a 34 or 35 quarterback rating. Like it was a terrible, terrible game for him. You know, I, I think, you know, with some of those exotic blitzes and just the confusion, Aaron Rodgers through like the first four games of the season, he's been really comfortable in the offense and playing within it and getting the ball out of his hands and not and playing within the structure. And well, yeah, I mean, but, but prior yeah, until Sunday, his jersey yeah, was spotless. It was the clean. books kind of just was blew all that up and just had him completely off rhythm and not trying, not able to play within the structure of the offense at all. And those are the results we got. You know, I, I, I do think it might, it might, it's more likely just to be like a blip on the road because not everybody has the the linebackers and just the overall defense the Bucks have maybe maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers could pull something like that off but I think the Packers going forward will be fine especially with um, Devontae Adams having more time under his belt like that was his first game back healthy after missing the previous two games so I think they'll be fine they'll still be an NFC contender it just says a lot about what the Bucks potential is and exactly what I told you is like the offense is still like a work in progress while they're working together, but they are not going to be a team you're going to want to see coming to your coming to your stadium or going to their stadium in the playoffs at all. Exactly, and and now now people can who didn't know like why would Brady choose to play in Tampa Bay? I think that that was a perfect example of why Brady wanted to go play in Tampa mm-hmm. Bay based on the the team that was constructed there, um, the talent they had on both sides of the ball. And and what a pleasure it was for them, especially New England fans too, to see Gronk actually getting getting involved in the offense. Because like he doesn't have that burst of speed at the line of scrimmage anymore, but he's still able to use his body to create separation, and he still has that catch radius. Yeah, it was to still you know, be effective. That, that catch in the red zone was crazy. Yeah, that's that Brady crazy, Gronk crazy body control connection where they know each other, and there was barely any space to fit that ball in, and Brady put it right where Gronk could make the play. And Gronk did, mm-hmm. and that's what he kind of has to do now. He's not as explosive as he once was. He's got to learn. He's got to be able to figure out boxing out some of these defenders and making those plays, and that, that looks like exactly what he did in the last game. Yeah, man. I, I still got to agree that uh, the Gronk <laughs> no, spike don't know, hit the same not, anymore. He's not what he once so was, which is okay. You know, he's <laughs> past his prime. He's still the GOAT, and uh, I hope him and Brady do well in Tampa. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I do. But it's just, damn, I wish he was still a patron. Absolutely, like, I, wish, man. I still kind of was Brady was a patron, too. I was watching you play. It's like, God oh, damn, it's like you get, it's like you're breaking with your, with your girl <laughs> you know, and seeing your ex flourish. I'm like, ah. You know, I understand that Belichick and Brady had to go like their separate ways at some point. It sucks to see, but I'm, I'm okay with it. Uh, you know, I still love Brady, always will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nah, yeah, man. I, 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 I hear you on that. Yeah, but this team, man, we're having Chris on um, Goodwin, Garvin come back. Um, still got Mike Evans. Now Bronx getting involved in the offense. Ron Jones was just doing like, whatever he wants key. to do to that defensive line of the Packers. That that game was that game really looked a lot like um, 
the NFC Championship game last year, I felt like like even that that those type of vibes where the the Packers were just getting like bullied and just like out outmatched physically. They seen and like they mm. seemed like real fragile. That's what I took away from it. But you're saying you don't think there's no there's no, no reason re- to no reason to overreact. The Packers really fan. good. They've been consistent pretty much since the beginning of the season, and they also the linebackers they have so they play in the same division with. They've got, you know, they've got Alvin Kamara in in New Orleans, and they have Christian McCaffrey in Carolina, mm-hmm. and those guys are both dual threat backs. So they built their defense to stop those guys. So it would make sense that they would be able to abuse a Packers offense that takes advantage of their running backs beating linebackers in space. So it makes sense. You know, it might, so we'll see how it how yeah. it is going forward if other teams can duplicate or approximate the defense that Todd Bowles the defensive looks that Todd Bowles used to throw Aaron Rodgers off his game. My guess would it would likely would be no. And it's more of a silver bullet kind of situation where the Bucks defense, even though they're very good they're built specifically to beat an offense like the Packers offense. Mm. Yep. And then also, uh, okay. Loki, with with dual threat running back. They got, they got, they got torched in terms of, in terms of points, you know, they gave up a bunch of points. Well, one of those was on the pick six. Jair Alexander, their corner, he locked up Mike Evans. Mike Evans didn't do a damn thing on Sunday. Tend to do anything at all, so they got a pretty, they got a pretty, good, they got a pretty good corner. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he definitely wasn't, wasn't impactful like more than recent weeks. That is true. Um, I was, I forgot what I was going to say too about this game. I mean, yeah. So even, but even when they were up early, ten nothing, like Aaron Rodgers was never really comfortable in the pocket all game. Like he was under duress, had to run to make plays, just had to use it, had yeah. to use his mobility to make plays. Like he was never like comfortable. Now he did throw two, did throw two picks. One ran back for pick six. Um, the, the all interceptions aren't created equal, and we know that. So that second one, I won't put him on him because Devonta Adams yep, yep. caught that. But at the same time, he's been out for like the last couple few games. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess when they work their rhythm together, like they could get back, um, back in the groove. I'm, like I'm not sure yeah, if all the stars are going to come back this season. Going to be fun. Indefinitely, you so. know, not not everybody's going to be able to to have those kind of blitz packages and still have the coverage on the back end. They're not going to have the linebackers that they can trust in space to cover to cover those those running backs. They forced Aaron Rodgers to play out of the structure, and he just couldn't make things happen the way he normally could because the defense was too good. It happens, you know. It's it's just indicative of of how good that Bucks defense is. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't take it as an indictment of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense at all. Yeah, man. Like when they're clicking on all cylinders, yep. the Bucks they, that's they, gonna be a scary gonna team be a game, to see man. in the postseason. Second half, <laughs> watch out for them. Oh yeah, that's gonna be real, 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 real scary. So I see a lot of people on TV talking about Aaron Rodgers and like uh, his lack of leadership and like that they were using Sunday as an example. You know his body language. Mm-hmm. Not I me. Mean, not he's never been a vocal leader like a Brady. What do you think on that about that? Some of it instance about him being like a bad leader. Is valid a valid criticism because it's one of those things where you know people have left 
New England and left Tom Brady and they have nothing but glowing things to say about him, but there's definitely have been people who left the Packers who definitely like threw shade at Aaron Rodgers. Like Greg Jennings wasn't Greg Jennings wasn't particularly hasn't said particularly nice things about Aaron Rodgers. Jermichael Finley, I don't know if you remember him. He used to be used to be a tight end for for the Packers. He said things about Aaron Rodgers oh, yeah. before, and you know. Uh, it kind of comes across sometimes. He might not be everybody's cup of tea. Like also, Randall Cobb. On the other hand, Randall Cobb like loves Aaron Rodgers supposedly, and then um, it's 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 just interesting. You know, I I think it's one of those cases where maybe he's just so supremely talented, where maybe it just doesn't matter because he gets it done on the field, and it might just be one of those situations where. I don't know if you've ever been on a team where they had like a just like a lead dog or an alpha dog where you might not have you might not feel me feeling him like that, but I'm, at the end of the day, when he gets on the field, he gets it done and you guys win. So you kind of just just throw back that shot and you're just like it is what it is. If that makes any sense, like kind of, hmm. well, maybe because like yeah. no, no, that definitely makes sense. And I, I don't know if he is. Arrogant, but he definitely comes off as kind of it's being not, like it's, very, very way. But and like again, maybe like, you could say like Aaron Rodgers and say like Tom Brady are kind of like Kobe Bryant and um LeBron James. You know, like LeBron James, everybody it seems like everybody on the team like likes him and loves him, and his kind of leadership is that kind of like you're my man, and like we're gonna be tight, we're gonna be buddy buddy. And like Kobe, Kobe's kind of leadership was more of a like, yeah, don't let me down or it's going to be a problem kind of thing. I feel like Aaron Rodgers kind of comes off more on the Kobe side of things rather than the everybody's like my guy kind of kind of leadership, if that makes sense. So you're saying like, yeah, more or, of like a, you know, more of a lead by like example as opposed to being vocal kind of thing or, or like, a, of a thing where like if, if things are going wrong, he's going to have that look like, yo, like yo, you guys screwed up. It wasn't me. And then LeBron might be a little bit more like magnanimous and like mm-hmm. kind of like it's a it's a team effort kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a. It's just it's like a weird I, I, thing. I, 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 can't, I, I can't agree with that fully, exactly but yeah, I put see my that finger though. on it. I just know there's so many people who have played with Tom Brady over the years who have left, and you have not heard one bad word from anybody in the league about Brady who's played with them. Not one. You've heard that several times about Aaron Rodgers. So there's got to be that something there that's rubbing people the wrong way. Hmm, that's true. But at the same time, on the flip side, one can argue. I mean, that's true, but yeah, also the Packers. It's not like the Packers are like a <laughs> when it cures everything. Team. They haven't like won a Super Bowl in a while, but they're they're. But they like, haven't ten, been to I a Super Bowl ten, since ten years. But the one the parents Aaron Rodgers. It's not like Aaron Rodgers is a bad quarterback, and they're like a bad football team. They're still a premier football team. They're always making the playoffs. They're always Super Bowl contenders, except maybe for like a year or two ago. They, you know, it's. I think some of the criticism is like overblown, but there's also some truth to it, if that makes sense. 
Hmm. <laughs> that definitely makes sense. I, I can see how some people like want to criticize him for not being like vocal or being real and demonstrative on the field. But at the same time, doesn't, doesn't, that does not work for everybody. I think there's different ways to lead. Um, Brady, what way Brady lead? That's cool. I, I rock with it. But you know, some people are more like exactly. me by example. Like watch me, do, watch, watch what I do. And you follow mm-hmm. me. I feel like that's more what Aaron Rodgers tries to do. So the, a lot of the time, the media doesn't I like. Think, I think you know, he just he definitely that's comes off like as somebody does, who's but, like maybe like more mm-hmm. like aloof and. He's very like confident and secure in himself, and he's like, I don't, I don't gotta impress none of y'all. <laughs> so it is what it is. Like if you like me, you like me, and if you don't, you don't. And sometimes <laughs> that can rub people the wrong way. Yeah, very, very true. Yeah. All right, yeah. So uh, let's come back. We can talk some more after this quick break. Last one. All right, so uh, this past Monday we had rush hour football. Um, <laughs> Chiefs uh, defeat Bills uh, 26-17 mm-hmm. in an, I would say, an right. ugly game, um, considering the weather that it was. It was raining out there mm-hmm. in Buffalo. Right. Uh, now, that game was slated yeah, it was for supposed to be, a Thursday was night be football, Thursday right? Night this past football week, or was it the previous week it was slated for? The, um, in, week, in week five, and the game got moved from Thursday night to the – so basically it was supposed to be the first game of the week, and then it got moved to being the second last game of the week because of the Bills having to play the Titans on Tuesday. Yep. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, man, this is this is throwing me off. <laughs> I didn't even realize the game was gonna be that early. I thought it was gonna be like around like maybe. Yeah, seven. they had to do it just so, so that they like could have six, that six game. And like, what, five o'clock. Had, uh, the Cowboys Cardinals game still at you know, at normal time to follow right after. So they had to make it work. So to I, don't right know, I wonder if some people maybe like missed the first half because they were, I didn't, I, I, I have been stuck at home because of COVID. So I didn't even think about the whole rush hour component, but that makes sense. Well, you... No, exactly. But like, like people like you and me, like you're not working right now. I mean, <laughs> exactly, I'm working from home. Exactly. So right after, right after I put it at five o'clock, do, the game done, watched it. In time for five o'clock so I can watch it and, and have the analysis ready. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think of that. But I damn, mean, people on the West Coast, yeah, that's, 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 that's nuts. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. Well, I mean, this game was well what I expected it to be. Well, considering the weather, um, it it was like real kind of like it had that old school vibe. All mm-hmm. the the Chiefs were really like dedicated to running the football, and they basically on the um post game interview that I read, it was said to the book with taking what what the uh, Bills game on defense. I'm not sure why the Bills didn't play the oh. run more considering the, the weather. Um, so, being a factor in the game. So, but while they're playing the, it's um, funny pass. to say, but heavy by his standards, Patrick Mahomes basically had like an average game. He was, yeah, you know, 125 yards, 24 rating, like and 21 for 20, PBR. 26. And for anybody else, that's like a really good game. But for him, it's like, it's all right, you know, he did, he did his thing, you know. I, he spread the ball around. Demarcus Robertson had five catches for 69 yards. Kelsey had another. 
Yeah, yeah, he has. And he's you know, really Travis big Kelsey enough. Five Kim, catches Kim for sixty-five yards and two touchdowns. He did lose that that fumble towards the end of the first half to give to give the Bills a chance. He sure was. Um, yeah. You know, uh, he, he, sure he was pissed you, you don't even need to read lips to understand what when the camera panned up, panned on him on the sidelines, what he was saying. But, um, you know, even though the Bills took Tyreek Hill away, Tyreek Hill only had like three <laughs> catches for 20 yards. He had, I think he had a rush for five yards. You know, the offense was rolling. It was really balanced. I, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire must have, you know, he must have felt some type of way about that Le'Veon Bell signing because he finally had that big game running the ball that people were looking for him, you know, 26 carries. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, like 26 he had, he carries, like, damn half, yards, half yards for carry. So he had a good game. Yeah. And I had believe yeah, yeah, the whole I team, they, they were, they were crushing the it like the football, killing them. The high and, team. You know, it's, I don't know what's going on with that Bills defense, man. You know, they they have a lot of talent there and they've been very good over the past several years, but right now they're they're ranked 23rd in total yards per game and they're 21st in points per game. You know, they got Trey Whiteback who's their their top cornerback and he's one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL and they were able to take Tyreek Hill out of the game, but the Chiefs were still able to just have their way with them. You know, 460 yards 466 yards of total offense to the Bills, like 206. You know, third, like they had almost 38 minutes time of possession to the Bills, like 22 minutes. The, the Bills, they got their doors blown off, man. They got, they got crushed. Yeah, that's actually another yeah, thing. Yeah, I believe they only had 84 rushing yards the whole game. You know, the Bills, all right, so Josh Allen, he was 14 and 27, 122 yards, two touchdowns. One interception. You know, Stephon Diggs had like he had six catches for forty six yards and a touchdown. Cole Bees. Yeah. Yeah, but but a few of those, a few of those were just like terrible like penalty calls. But again, I know he's really yeah. Fast. And then you know, Cole Bees had running, four catches for forty five. He's got to be a little bit more disciplined in those situations. In a touchdown, you know, four other Bills players had one catch each, which. That's not good at all. But, you know, Josh Allen and the Bills' offense have kind of fallen back to earth a bit. You know, the defenses, you know, early in the season, defenses were just really bad with all of the COVID-19 and the short offseason and not having practice and no preseason to tune things up. But, you know, the the quarter mark of the season, the, of the season has passed and defenses are starting to adjust. So, you know, the past couple of weeks – Josh Allen has been has been seeing a lot less man coverage, a lot more like zone and soft zone, and he, they haven't really been responding to it. So Brian Dable's got to make changes. But you know, last so against the Chiefs, the Chief, against the Chiefs, the the Bills scored seventeen points. Against Tennessee the week before, they scored sixteen points. In the first three games of the season, they scored ninety six points. So <laughs> clearly there's been a big defensive adjustment and they need to figure things out. But I, I, yeah, I'm not going to just put it all on Josh Allen because the Bills are really, really bad at running the football. They're, they're 27th in the NFL in rushing, and it's really it sucks that they weren't able to win the uh, Le'Veon Bell sweepstakes because they just need to 
Yeah, they need to throw something else in there to see what works. You know, the Buffalo offensive no, line are them. below average in terms of like their run blocking, but the results just aren't acceptable. You know, Josh Allen, he led the team with like eight carries for 42 yards. Devin Singletary, he had 10 carries for 32 yards. The week before, he had 11 carries for 25 yards. He's like, he's sitting on like, he's got 71 carries for 270 nice. yards. That's like a 3.8 average and one touchdown for the entire season. I don't know how the, the Bills offense can continue being, well, they're not elite anymore, but how they can get back to maybe how they were in the beginning of the season without figuring out something in the run game. I don't know how they're going to be able to do that, but they got to figure something out because they're putting, even though Josh, even though I said Josh Allen is a magician and he's had a great amount of progression over this season compared to last season and in, you know, his rookie year, you can't, put him in that position where he has to do everything by himself every week. Exactly. They have to find a way to diversify that offense. It's just a lot of a guy to like make it happen in the air and with his feet. Um, even though he's capable of doing it, like it's going to wear him down as the season progresses. Yeah. Um, yeah and they rely heavily on Dicks too. Like we said, we know he's yeah. Great yeah, they find a steady game just to give Josh Allen some final sort of sticks. To, to get some especially like a guy like him who can make plays out, you know, with a you know with a second and short, you know, like a second and six, second and five, third and four. He could convert those all day with his with his ability to to run or you know extend plays. So they they gotta get they gotta get some they gotta get a running game. Mm. Yeah, man. I mean, the, ne- the next games they have up the next three games at Jets, followed yeah. by um, home to the Patriots and then home to the Seahawks. Now, again, they should definitely win that Jet- Jets game down at uh, MetLife Stadium, but uh, the other two, that's pretty much what? A toss up? I mean, I, th- I think the Seahawks would beat them. Yeah, the Patriots, um, that's a toss up right now. Uh, so it's possible they can go one I and two. I do think the next against, against the. The Seahawks, they they should be able to be they should be fine offensively because they just they're just terrible against the pass. So I would assume that will be a shootout. And you know, the Patriots, I think the Patriots defense plays the I think they're right now they're number one in terms of playing man coverage in the NFL. And Josh Allen has dominated man coverage so far this season. Bill generally tends yeah. to switch things up depending on on the on the weakness of his opponent so maybe we'll see more zone that week but the patriots the patriots are basically built to play man coverage and and so we'll see how that that shakes out and then they'll have a nice tune up against the jets because the jets are just the, the, you know they're kind of like that i guess they're that that kid on the playground that just everybody just beats <laughs> up and <laughs> it's kind of it's a it's a sad state of affairs. I don't, I, I don't understand how Adam Gase still has a job, but pretty much, pretty much, they're, they're one of the worst teams I've ever exactly. seen. Exactly. I mean, they're basically the punching bag. One of the NFL. worst teams I've ever seen. Just completely as an aside, you know, everyone's talking about the Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> if Trevor Lawrence right. is the is 
is going to end up getting picked by the Jets, that he should he should either stay at Clemson. I think Roddy White was saying it. I don't know if you remember him. He used to play wide receiver for the Falcons. Roddy White was saying that Trevor Lawrence should stay at Clemson another year if if the Jets get the number one pick. Yes. I feel like if, if the Jets get the number one pick, he's going to come out. But if if they do, they do have an interesting quandary on their hands where they got to figure out the Sam Darnold situation. I think Sam Darnold is, can actually be a good quarterback if he's in a good situation. And that might be a good thing for them. They won't be able to get a good return on him because he's coming up on, I think, his fifth-year option and he would need a contract, so he's going to be expensive. So they would have to release him anyway at some point in the next couple of years. But if if I – I don't think they would trade him to the Patriots because there's just no way they're just going to give Bill a quarterback with his kind of talent. But if the if the Jets get the number one pick, they should draft Trevor Lawrence, and then the Indianapolis Colts should be the first team on the on the phones calling them up to get Sam Darnold for like a conditional third rounder. I would I'd pull the trigger. I think I think Sam Darnold can play. He just needs to be in a good situation. Exactly. The, that Colts. You know they're they're not running the ball yeah. all that well. And Dome too will be good for them too. You know they lost Marlon Mack for the season. Jonathan Taylor has hasn't hit the ground running yet, but they've got a good offensive line. You know they have they have pieces there. They have a good they have a decent defense. They have good coaching, good GM. He'd be in a way way more stable situation where hopefully he could develop. So, yep. So if yeah, I, if I, was that would Indy, definitely help, I like, would alleviate some pressure up. from Donald and put him in a position to win. <laughs> you know, oh, man, yeah, no, I, I didn't even think ahead. about that. That's actually a, that's actually a good uh, um, proposition right there. <laughs> so, but, so when a team like the coach wins a game like this, that's ugly. You know, uh, I, I don't mean, know. I, that's got to be somewhat demoralizing I, to the rest Colts, of the league, right? Well, the at least Colts the AFC, I would say. Nothing in, in my opinion, they're they probably yeah. The Colts will probably make the playoffs. I don't. Go ahead. The Colts. Oh, sorry. Wait. Um. Wait. That's it. I'm going to say the Chiefs. Like them winning a game like that against the Bills, like in, in an ugly fashion. Like it wasn't pretty. But they still got the job no, done, no, like you no. said. I'm not even. I want to even Carson say Mahomes it was played mediocre. somewhat it was like mediocre, as crazy as it is to say. Basically, stats to be read off for him. For anybody else, for anybody else, it's like a really good game. Like if you saw those stats, you're like, okay, quarterback had for a really him, good exactly. game, but really good, you know, B plus game is is not what you is not is like nothing yep. to like Patrick Mahomes. He's just that talented, and you know they did win an ugly game, but I I I also think it was. There was also, even though the the Chiefs played really well, there was definitely like a lot of just Bills ineptitude going on, where that that off that that running game is just really bad, and I think they just they need to adjust to teams adjusting to them. They they need to figure out some new wrinkles to their offense to beat some of these zone coverages they've been seeing. We'll see if Dable can pull it off because he's he's been pretty good so far, hmm. and you know he, Josh Allen is really okay. talented. Stephon Diggs is a great wide receiver. 
you know, they, hopefully they can figure out some wrinkles just to to get things going and make things easier on Josh Allen, where he's not having to make plays all the time. Give him a little some more layups in the offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I man, because that that's they're putting a lot of burden on him to make a lot of things happen. It's kind of crazy. Um, so um. Yeah, so now we wrapped up all the games. Um, what do you think about Tua starting? Because I, I think when we talked earlier, before the season started, you were saying that – I said he start right away. And I believe you said, no, yeah. he probably started um, at, like, week seven, so week eight. And here we a, are in week seven, it's and he's been announced to start for the team. economics when it, as it relates to, like, the salary cap and needing to develop him earlier. You know, in in maybe in the past, you know, he probably would have already had his huge deal already, and yeah, because th- th- that's what they worked out when they had the the, the most exactly. recent lockout so, you know, was. It would have already, you know, his, before his, that, like economics rookies were getting paid a lot of rent. So it's like, regardless, he's just going to be there. And you can't really cut him because of the cap implications but right now when it as it comes to like quarterbacks if you get a first round quarterback you basically have a quarterback who's on a very very team friendly deal for the next like four years and then if they want the fifth year option it jumps up a bit but still it's not too bad so they can't they couldn't keep Tua on the pine for a year because they need to develop him at some point so I understand him putting on the field. It just the timing kind of sucks because the Dolphins have run two in a row, and Fitz mm-hmm. Ryan Fitzpatrick has played pretty well. I don't know if you saw, but Ryan Fitzpatrick was basically saying how like he was heartbroken about being benched for Tua, but he also supports Tua and he knows what the deal is where they have to develop. Oh, yeah, him. I, yeah, I um, you know, I we'll see what happens there. You know, he's coming off of a bad hip injury. Everyone says he's healthy. But, you know, the, the Dolphins offensive line isn't great. Hopefully he doesn't get he doesn't get hurt. He doesn't get hit too much. But I I understand that I understand them him them putting him in now because you you gotta develop him sooner rather than later. But I'm also glad they didn't throw him out too early. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. We talk about now, when I think about it as to why they would play them in like midway through the season as opposed to early. I mean, it's an investment, so you want to make sure. You, and coming off a serious injury, like like a hip injury, which could be really, really tricky to deal with, you want to make sure that your, you know, your like your investment is, is stable for the most part. And now let let him like get comfortable into the offense, into yeah, the system with like with half you know, of the season as opposed to a full I... season. And then you can assess going forward. I feel I feel really bad for Ryan Fitzpatrick, even though the shoe, the other shoe always drops with him. He has like he's always he's so streaky. He'll have like several good games in a row, and then all of a sudden he'll just be throwing pick after pick after pick after pick. And they, you know, two they gotta get two in there and get him going. So I guess that time is now. I, I I do believe in two, and I think he's going to end up being a very good NFL quarterback. But I guess we we will see. Yeah, man, it, it, it'll be good for the Dolphins um, to have a 
a, a good quarterback. It's just man. crazy, like a franchise man, type quarterback. I wouldn't be mad at that. I mean, the last one they had was Dan Marino. That was a long could, time ago. We so. could be in in a division in the AFC East where you got Josh Allen in the Buffalo, Tua Tagovailoa in Miami, and then maybe possibly Trevor Lawrence on the Jets. Like, damn. <laughs> Which is why I want us to lose more games so we can get some damn top tier talent like everybody else got. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's man, also man. kind of funny. That, that would be the, crazy uh, if, 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 if the AFC East like had all AFC those North, quarterbacks. We got, we got three Heisman <laughs> Trophy winners in the division, and then Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> this is just so interesting. <laughs> oh man, nah, that, that that is crazy. Um, also that broke today. I seen that um the Seahawks will most likely be pursuing AB. We was talking about you. I think you said a lot of people teams shouldn't take a chance at them. Well, outside of the Texans because they had nothing to lose at that point. But the fact that I guess he could come back eligible in Week Nine yep. after he's done serving his eight game suspension for uh suspension rather for violating the uh conduct policy. Um, that that'll be crazy. If actually, went to the Seahawks. I mean, I, I know he's been, like, real, like, erratic over the last few years, but he still is an elite talent. I'm sure he's he's keeping himself in tip-top yeah, shape. Yeah, that's, that's honestly going to be terrifying. And Metcalf, Metcalf is, a, is a big play like, threat. Tanner Lockett is a big play threat. But with A.B. there, you know, A.B. is that guy who can – he can give you big plays, but he also can give you just a bunch of just layup throws. And that's the last thing anybody wants to see added to that Seahawks offense. And, you know, going into the season, I wasn't sure if bringing A.B. in there would work because, you know, how how his attitude can be and the influence that he might have on those young receivers because they weren't really, like, established yet. But I think, you know, D.K. Metcalf has started to establish himself as, like, a star and Tyler Lockett is is really solid to like a star level wide receiver as well. He, he's definitely a big big play threat with his speed. And you know Russell Wilson, as far as like character, and he's a he's as stable as it gets. So and then all the pressure is on AB to to straighten up and fly right. Like he, I, if he does get signed there, he'll be on a deal where he he does anything wrong, they're gonna get him up out of there, and that'll probably be his last chance. Yeah, exactly. Like he can't blow. Like if he feels like he'll be definitely be on a sure. short list wherever he ends up at, and he got to be thinking like like I basically burned every bridge Abs- in absolutely. the league. So and if a team, if a team is gonna take a risk again, on me, I, I got to make sure that I do my part and show that I could be a Te- Te- Texas got to be calling him up and trying their best to get him in there because they have nothing to lose. There's nobody coming to rescue them in terms of draft picks unless they find like a diamond in the rough in like round three or later. And they're, they're pro- they likely don't have the cap space to sign any big free agent wide receivers going forward because of they're pretty tight up against the cap because of contracts Bill O'Brien gave out. Go get them. If, if, see if he wants to play with Deshaun Watson. Nothing to lose.
I, I'm sure we would love to. And I think that there's other teams that uh, give me in the running too, but they haven't gotten like yeah, mentioned I just, yet, don't just know the Seahawks. That, that, that wouldn't surprise like, me at all that they were interested in getting the quarterback and the coaching staff with the cachet to really manage AB's personality where they would want him there. And I think, you know, that ship's already still sailed in Pittsburgh. They don't want him. Tampa Bay, Bruce Arians, I think, because Bruce Arians did used to coach, um, I think, quarterbacks in the offense for the Steelers when A.B. was there. And he, he doesn't like A.B. From, from some of the comments that he's made about not wanting to bring him in to Tampa, even though A.B.'s right there in Florida. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I – Exactly. So I think for the most part, and Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady loves AB. We know that Texans are kind of desperate situation. So maybe he could fit in there. You know, the Eagles maybe could could use him, but I just I don't think they have like the right locker room for it, and they're in a losing situation. So, nah, Seahawks, Seahawks or Texans, because even though the Texans are losing, people, it's it's very clear. Deshaun Watson is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Deshaun Watson's actually playing out of his mind. It's just the team is bad. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, man. I want I want to see him prosper. So if if, if AD can help him, yep. You know, I'm and then I guess just some some other I, things. I hate that seeing I like a talented in the league like, going waste uh, like that. So a few thoughts before before we go. Derrick Henry, nuts, man. You know, he, he, he had a 94-yard mm-hmm. run against against Houston. Oh man. Last week. Um, how many how many yards wow. is that? 95 or 94 um yep. You know, right now he's leading the NFL in rushing yards. He's got 588 and then still the, and the, the game went in all the six TDs. It's like one of those rare things where a running back gets his big deal and he's still really good. Like he's had 400 carries. He's still getting it done. Like the dude is not a human being, you know, he just has the highlight runs every week. We already talked about, you know, the 94 yard run and the overtime run. And then, you know, he, he took Josh Norman's life away with that stiff arm, you know, in week five. So he he's crushing it, man. He's not playing no games. And then, um, you know, <laughs> through week six, Russell Wilson, you know, he's atop the MVP race by himself now. We, you know, Josh Allen's kind of come back down to earth a bit. You know, Aaron Rodgers had that bad week six game. You know, oh, yes. um, right now, um, Russell Wilson, he's number one in the NFL in quarterback rating. He's um, fifth in QBR. You know, and then, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but the guy who's fourth in QBR is actually Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> Tannehill is like third in the league in um, passer rating. Um, he's playing really efficient football without a lot of mistakes. So, you know, I, I wouldn't put him in like the top like two or three of like the MVP conversation, but he's kind of sneaking in there. He's sneaking in there right now. Yeah, so I, I I seen them talking about that on the uh, first take earlier this week. Uh, I think Stephen A. was just saying yeah. he want to make an yeah, MVP but, you know, candidate because the fact that when he thinks of the uh, Titans, it's per thing that it comes to mind is Derrick Henry, not Ryan Tannehill. So you yeah, think you know, the play action, Derrick Henry is to be should be a legitimate uh, MVP kind of candidate, even though I know that this award usually goes to the quarterback. It might have been Ryan Clark, but 
you're basically saying like Derrick Henry wasn't doing it like this when Marcus Mariota was the quarterback. There's something to be said about the about the influence Ryan Tannehill has on the offense and what you know efficient quarterback play has brought to that Titans no. offense. And it is true. Like I said, I don't think I don't think he will win MVP. In my opinion, he's not mm-hmm. he's not the MVP. There's definitely like a notch down from from Russell Wilson and maybe Aaron Rodgers if he returns to form going forward, which I think he will. Um, it's just it's just an interesting thing. He's playing really, really well, and it's kind of just going under the radar maybe because mm-hmm. um, of how, you know, how well Derrick Henry is playing. And, you know, I guess he can't really escape, like, the stigma of um, how he played in Miami. Yeah. And, um, you know, the final thing I wanted to put out there is, um, you know, more COVID stuff. You know, the Raiders, um, they're starting left tackle Trent Brown. They just put him on the COVID-19 reserve list. I believe they sent home their entire starting offensive line because of, like, potential, like, COVID-19 exposure. So who knows what's going to happen there. You know, Trent Brown will definitely be out, but they may possibly be missing – some or all of their offensive line because of either COVID tests or needing to put them on the COVID reserve list. And uh, they're playing the Bucks defense in week seven. So uh, if, if something like that happens where they're missing a whole, like their entire starting offensive line, which is also something we talked about during the summer where I was like, what, what the hell is the team going to do when something like that happens? Um, Derek Carr, and Josh Jacobs might be having a real bad day mm-hmm. next week. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, nice. but, but but them linebackers, <laughs> yep, White and the um, and, and, and David, yeah, it's gonna be a long day for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, man. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, definitely big come to look forward to in week seven. Along with some other things yes, as well. Yes, sir. I'll see you. But uh, yeah, week. we can wrap it up right here, right now, my guy. Uh, good looking, yes, man. As always. All right. Yeah, sir. Well- All right. Thanks to the homie Eves. Thank you to Anchor. And of course, thank you guys, the listeners. Greatly appreciate your support. And if you haven't already, which I'm sure most of you have, hit that subscribe button as this podcast is available just about wherever you listen to your podcast to. That includes Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can also keep up with me if you like Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Vincent 13. And you can also like my Facebook fan page as well, Emmanuel Vincent. Um, That's where I currently right now where I post a link to my podcast and um, post some pictures um, and so forth. But I'm actually working on um, getting more content out. Um, I got some I got some ideas that I'm working on right now. So there will be more um, content on that Facebook fan page um, in the relatively near future, I would say. So be on the lookout for that. Um, that pretty much does it for this episode. Um, I will probably definitely have an episode out next week, uh, recapping week seven. Don't know if I can get another episode in that same week. Um, I'm working on an idea, uh, that I have, but we'll see if it comes to fruition until then you guys stay blessed, stay safe, take care.